Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Awesome. Hey, when we started this church now more than 17 years ago, um, we had a, a vision for something that, that was different. Uh, there, there are plenty of churches around and incredible churches in our community. And, um, and we were actually uh, part of, of one of those churches when God just began to speak and put something into my heart to do something a little different. And so when we started the church, we wanted to, we decided that, you know, I grew up in church my whole life and I always heard about the great commission about reaching people for Jesus Christ and spreading the gospel. Uh, And we were so great at talking about that, but I'd never been part of a church that actually made that their focus. And so uh, you can't read Matthew 28, 19, where, where Jesus commanded us to go and to make disciples without uh, feeling a twinge of, of um, remorse or regret or, or even repentance uh, when it comes to that, if that's not actually happening in your life. So uh, we wanted to start a church that would give us an opportunity to reach a, a certain group of people uh, actually, it was like three groups, people who were totally unchurched. When, when I was growing up in school, elementary, middle school, high school, they call it junior high, not middle school at the time, uh, I met the first generation of people in our country who were not churched. They were my friends. Their parents would go from time to time. It was kind of an American thing, I think, and, and, but, but a lot of my friends never went to church. And now here we are a generation or two later, and there are so many people in uh, the United States uh, to whom church would be absolutely foreign. And so we, we by the way, uh, somewhere the, the numbers are between 53 to 60% of people in our country have absolutely no intention of ever going to a church. So we have a lot of unchurched people in, in our country. Um, another group would be a, a group that, uh, I would call de-churched people who used to go to church, but they found it irrelevant or painful or whatever, and they just quit. And then finally were people who were unchallenged, who, who maybe were going to, to a church, but uh, they just weren't, it, it just wasn't happening for them. And so um, we, we started with that. That has been our vision from day one. Uh, God has helped us to build this church out of people, primarily from one of those three arenas. When we started the church, we, there were four things that we wanted to do. And they're the same four things that we talk about today. We've refined that. We found new words for them. We found different ways to communicate those things. But they're everywhere in our building. They're in the bathrooms, they're in the walls, they're on this wall, and they're right here. We want people to know God. We want them to have a a relationship with God, not know about God. So it's not about theology, and it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. We want them to know God. We want them to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose, and we want you to make a difference in the world. And it's a good thing I have those memorized, because after no God, all these lights just blurred that out. So if I messed up on anything, just know that my intent was, was right, and God will help you understand what I said or didn't say. Um, and speaking about our four, the four things that we do um, today, right after the service, 
Uh, I'm leading uh, Growth Track, which is something we do every week, and each week there's a different leader. Today is my, my day, and each, each week of Growth Track, we do this every week, we are sharing with you uh, something about these four things. And uh, today, if you want to attend, this could be your very first time here. Maybe you've been here many times. You just want to know more about the church, more about what we do. Uh, today is the opportunity you would have to, to join our church if you want to, or, or, or just, you know, see what we do and what makes us up. It's 45 minutes. It's right after the church service. We feed you. It's free. Um, we, if you have children, we have child care. We feed your kids. And I'd love to have you there today. You just go out these doors, hang a right into the office complex. There's a table to be set there. We'll be waiting for you. If you don't have any interest in that, but you just want a free lunch, feel free to go in there. That just makes more people, makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Um, but I want, to, I want to come back to our, our four freedom principles here. And, and um, actually, I want to park on one, and that's what we're doing in this series. Knowing God is absolutely essential. Um, religion is, um, it, it doesn't do anybody any good. In fact, it gets in the way of, of being a Christ follower many times. And, and so... We want people to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when, when that starts, and I'll, I'll share a little bit more on that at the end of today's message, but when, when that happens, you finally have the beginning of an answer. It's an incredible beginning. It is life-changing. But what I've discovered through the years is that just having this relationship with Jesus doesn't like fix everything in your life. We have years and years of baggage, garbage in our lives, things that, that we've been dragging around with us. And, and so knowing God, it gives you the base, the foundation, all the answers are right there. But we still need to find freedom from the stuff in our lives that we pull into this relationship, don't we? I mean, we have these things that have been hounding us forever and ever and ever, and, and that is not God's will. And you see this all through Scripture where this principle is taught of knowing God and finding freedom, discovering your purpose, and making a difference. But many of us get stuck on the freedom part. If you go all the way back to the beginning of Scripture... The book of Genesis starts with creation and it moves uh, to forming uh, the nation of Israel. And we end that book, uh, I think it's chapter 50 in, in the book of Genesis. You find the Israelite nation, the people that God created to be his own people, parked in Egypt. They, they, uh, they went there uh, under divine direction and they just began to live in Egypt. When you go to the book of Exodus, something has happened. The Israelites were flourishing so much in the land of Egypt that they get to the point that the Egyptians are worried. Hey, they're going to take over. They're going to rule the place. They're going to mess us up. And so the Egyptians made slaves of the Israelites for 400 years. And so uh, the way that they just kept them down was to keep them enslaved. So in Exodus, uh, as you read through that, you see where Moses 
God just anointed Moses to step in to free the people from their slavery. And he led the people out of, out of, out of Egypt, which is a picture of salvation. It's, it's a picture of knowing God. One of the things that Moses was supposed to do, and God kept telling Moses, as he says, I want my people to know them, so here's what you do. And he kept giving them things to do so that they would get to know who he was because they didn't know him any longer. 400 years of slavery had wiped out their knowledge of God. Much the same that has happened in our nation over the last couple of, of decades or, or, or half of a century, God is in many ways non-existent in many people's lives. And so the first thing Moses had to do was teach them about God. And, and they were headed to this promised land to find out what their purpose was, to, to be free and to, to live a fulfilled life. But the whole book of Exodus is just filled with them going in circles. They were given the papers of freedom, but they never were free. They were in this going around the mountain over and over for 40 years. A whole generation passed away, and they never understood their freedom. You go into the book of Joshua, and that's where we are in this series and talking about this. The book of Joshua is about how to be free. I want to back up for just a moment. The, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that many Christ followers are like those Israelites in the wilderness where <laughs> we never get to that that life where we're hitting this stride, that place where we know our purpose and we know why we're here and we're moving on and doing the things that, that God actually created us to do because we've got all this junk, we've got all these habits, we've got these addictions, we've got these life patterns that just set us back and, and we keep messing up and we keep having, the, and, and, and we're just, we don't even know if God loves us anymore because we're just such a mess and we don't find the freedom that God has for us. And so Freedom Fighters is all about that. And my question to you today to start this off is where are you living? Where are you living? You're going to be somewhere. And, and, and are you in the, at the point where you don't know God? You don't have that relationship. And if so, you need to, we're going to help you take care of that today. Are you in the wilderness? Are you at that place where you just keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again because you've lived a life of slavery and now you've been set free, but you're not really free? Or are you in that place where you're in the promised land and God is speaking to you and he's called you and he's giving you something to look forward to and and you're being about making a difference in the world. And, and, and truly, even there, we always get these calls to come back to slavery. I'm gonna, one of these days, I'm going to teach a series on Galatians. And, and it, it talks about always going back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, and the fight between that and the tree of life. I, I don't want to get into that, but uh, I, I, we do that. But I want to talk today totally about something that Satan, our enemy, your enemy, does to take you back into slavery, and that is shame. So I want to begin by reading the first verse out of the book of Joshua, chapter 2. It says, Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. 
So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now, I was growing up, I went to church like every Sunday of my whole life and went to, you know, I had Sunday school and, and they used to talk about Rahab uh, the harlot, right? And, you know, for six-year-old or seven-year-old or eight, nine, ten-year-old, I didn't know what harlot was. Um, I thought it was her last name for many years, and and then I thought, okay, maybe it's a tribe, you know, and, and nobody, you know, the teacher, they kind of glossed, Rahab the harlot, and, you know, that's how we taught the thing, and nobody ever taught the principle, and it, that might have been smart, I don't know, but today I'm going for it. Um, and I want to give you kind of a background on this story. The History Channel did a deal on the Bible, and, and they covered the, the story of Rahab in there. We're going to take a look at this. And I will tell you right up front, this isn't totally accurate, but you'll get the picture. So let's take a look at this. My name's Stephanie Leonidas, and I play Rahab in the Bible series. I went to a Catholic school myself, um, but I, hadn't, I didn't know who Rahab was. Hello? quiet and I promise I won't hurt him. Swear. You're Israelites. You've heard about us? You have a God who commands the winds and parts the seas. He saved us from slavery. We are his chosen. This whole city is terrified of you. How can we fight a people whose God can do that? Open up! Open up! Back in time! Open the door! Can we get out that way? Help us and we will help you. Go. I'll store them if I can. Come with us. I can't. My family. When our army comes, hang this on your door so they will know not to harm you. You'll be passed over. Did you find a way in? Is there a witness? Not in the walls. But in their hearts. Joshua, we met a woman. She thinks God has taken the city already. The people melt in fear because they know he is with us. God is with us. So when you read the, the book of Joshua, if you, if you really think this through... There was no reason to put the story of Rahab in the Bible. It was not necessary, given what actually really happened. This was kind of a, uh, an add-on, and to be honest with you, it's a little bit embarrassing, and, and, and uh, you just kind of wonder why it's there. 
And I want to plant a seed with you right now. And, and, and just let's, let's think about that. Is there something in your life that's rather embarrassing? Is there something in your life that you, you'd rather not anybody know? Uh, you know, you've, you've done something, you lived a certain way, and, and it's just better never to ever talk about that. I mean, that's, I've, I've met so many people in, in Northern Virginia who truly have moved here and they are running from something else. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you who, who's, who that is, but <laughs> how many of you are native to Loudoun County? Put up your hand. I'm going to, okay, a couple of you, a few of you. The vast majority of the people who live in our county moved here, you know, over the last 15 years. And, and I have met so many people that I've talked to who just, as they share their story, this is kind of a place to start over for a lot of people. Not everybody, of course, but we're just hiding from something. We're running from something. And, and yet, um, there's something that God wants to do and change in our lives. When, when you think about Rahab, you know, this wasn't an accidental story. No, it wasn't necessary to Jericho and what happened. But there's a reason why God put this in here. And in the, in the course of us finding freedom, we really have to understand this because there's something that keeps us from becoming the person that God wants us to be. And one of the biggest things that we will find that gets in our way is this issue of shame. Something's happened in my life. I don't want people to know. It's something that I, I have, you know, it's just, and, and it becomes our identity. So why Rahab? Why this story? And I want to share with you a couple of things, three things actually, that God wants to show us through this story, extremely important. So get your notes, get your pens. I want you to write this down. God uses, write the words ordinary, God uses ordinary people. And what I did, I, I did this for myself as I put this in here. Uh, I, over the top of the word ordinary, I put in parentheses, messed up. Because that, that, that describes Rahab and that describes us. God uses messed up, ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. He uses messed up people to do incredible things. Listen, if you've got your act together, chances of God really being able to use you are slim. Because if we think we got it all together, we just, we're, we're, we're not being real. God uses messed up, ordinary people to do extraordinary purposes. He uses people with flaws, people with past, people with problems. Look at Rahab. She, she had everything going against her. She was a Canaanite. A Canaanite was a tribe of people, and everybody hated them. And they hated themselves, and she was one of those. She was a woman, and in this, in this uh, environment, in this uh, social setting, women, in fact, the, the, one of the great uh, Hebrew rabbi prayers is, God, I thank you for not creating me a woman. You know, it was just, she had everything going against her. And then you add in the prostitute thing. And she is like the lowest of the low. And God decides to do something in and through her life. Wait till I tell you the rest of the story. It's an amazing story. God turns everything upside down. He was making a point. He chooses to do his greatest work with the most unexpected, undeserving, imperfect people. 
Jesus was trying to make this, uh, this point to religious people, religious leaders, when he said in Matthew 21, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. And that's not all that funny. That's for real. You may want to write this down. I don't think this is in your notes. It should have been, but... Um, This is some extremely good news. Your sin, the stuff that you've done, may have distanced you from God, but your sin has not distanced God from you. How you look at you and how God looks at you, two different things. Your sin might have distanced you from God, but it hasn't distanced God from you. You know, after um, the battle of Jericho, and I'm not going to read any of that, um, the Bible records this. This was after the Israelites came and the walls fell down and they took over uh, Jericho and, and um, there was one house that was left standing. It was a house of Rahab. It says, meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies. Joshua sent to Jericho, the the spies Joshua sent to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. So God kept his promise, Joshua kept his promise, and we have this, this thing that happens, and it leads us to the second thing about why Rahab, why, uh, what we learn from Rahab. Number two, God gives the incredible gift of grace. Write it down, I'll explain it. He gives the incredible gift of grace. The Israelites had a little problem here. They have They've moved into the promised land. They've gone through this situation with Jericho. And now they have a prostitute who they promised could live with them. And that was a problem. They looked at their rules and regs and, and this is a problem. And in, in verse 23 of chapter 6 it says they moved her whole family Listen to what it says. To a safe place near the camp of Israel. They don't know what to do with her. This is embarrassing. We've got a a prostitute camper on our hands. We're going camping. We camp. That's what we do. I would have never been a good Israelite, by the way. I hate camping. But they were camping. We camp. But you can't camp with us. You you can't. We don't know what to do. You're outside of the camp. But we're going to make sure you're safe. We don't know what to do with grace. We don't know what to do with it. It makes no sense. We look at our lives. We look at what we've done. We look at the shame of our past. We, and, and truly, many of us have shame. I, I have some things in my life I am so ashamed of. And, and I have to be able to do something with that shame. It's one of the things that allows me to be able to talk to people who, who are just messed up because I've been the chief of messed up people. 
And I've had to find the revelation of what I am teaching today. When that became real to me for the first time, I thought, me, I may have a chance. I may have a chance. Because I knew I could never go back and change things. I could never be good enough to stand before God and know God. And I was second class. And some of you feel that. Some of you have that. And some of you are hiding with all of that stuff inside. We don't know what to do with shame. Where do we park that? We try to hide and hope nobody ever finds out because that really messes up things. And now we're not good enough to be in the camp. Shouldn't we be punished? Should we run around and cry unclean like a leper? But God gives us grace. He knows all about us. He knows the things that we've tried to hide from Him, the things that we've tried to hide from ourselves, the the things that we've made up because we couldn't stand who we are. And, 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 And so we almost believe our own lies, and God knows all of that. And He extends grace. He sets us in a position to be free. God, number three, looks past our past to our destiny. He looks past our past to our destiny. Second Corinthians 5.17 I want, you to, I want you to think about this. This is amazing. Paul is teaching here, and he says, anyone who belongs to Christ. Now, belonging to Christ is simply inviting Christ into your life, simply asking him to come into your life. It doesn't make you perfect. It doesn't make you totally the person you're supposed to be. It just rec- you just recognize that Jesus is God's son, and, and I've given you a, a complete apologetics on this, so, so there's plenty of history that shows that Jesus was here and that, that miracles happened and he died and, and he rose again. And, 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 and we just give in to this beautiful picture of Jesus. And so anyone who belongs to him, who has invited him into your heart, whether you feel anything or not, by the way, let me just say that. Whether you feel, you felt enough to invite him in. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Now, I use that right there to disqualify me from God's kingdom. Because I wasn't a new person. I was the same old Greg that invited Jesus into my life. And I thought, okay, I didn't do it right. Something's wrong. Something's messed up. But that's not what Paul is saying here. What he's saying here is we have been given the foundation. We have been given everything that allows us to become completely free. We are not in Egypt anymore. Understand that. We are no longer slaves. We're going to sing a song in just a moment that talks about that. And we are no longer slaves. Now we may be running around Mount Sinai, running around the the wilderness. We may not have crossed the Jordan into our promised land yet, but Paul wants to tell you you're a new person. The old life of slavery, the old life of absolute inability to change yourself is gone. A new life has, what's the word? Begun. A new life has begun. 
it started. So, what does this mean now? What does it mean to us? First of all, God's going to give you a new name. A new name. You know, Rahab has a nickname. Um, it's based on her reputation, and uh, we, we all know what that is. Um, but that's happened all through history. So let me give you a little, little test here, see how, see how much you paid attention in history. Um, I'll give you the name. You tell me the nickname. Alexander the... Okay, this side went to history class. <laughs> this side, I don't know. Alexander the Great. Attila the... Oh, yeah, it's spreading. Conan the... That's not O'Brien. It's Barbarian. Okay. Now I'll go, go Bible here on you. John the... Uriah the... Ooh. <laughs> Uriah the Hittite. Okay. George of the... Yeah, that wasn't in the Bible, was it? <laughs> Buffy the... Some of you thought it was vampire. I used to. It's vampire slayer. Okay. Greg the... Greatest, yes, thank you. Awesome. I didn't know if you'd get that. Rahab the harlot. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. I mean, it's been thousands of years, and she's still Rahab the harlot. She's mentioned eight times in the Bible. Six times, she's Rahab the harlot or Rahab the prostitute. Here's the question. What's your name? What's your name? What's, what's your identity? What is it you call yourself when nobody's around? What is it that that feeds this shame in you. Yeah, it, could, it could be, you know, Mary, the habitual liar. George, the person who carries fear with him everywhere he goes. It could be an addiction that is attached to your last name. The, the drug addict or the alcoholic or the pornographer or whatever. What is it that you call yourself? God gives you a new name. Isaiah 62 verse 2 says, you'll get a brand new name straight from the mouth of God. A brand new name. You not only get a new name, you get a new future. Number two, God gives you a new future. So, so let me finish the story with Rahab. She, she and her family are parked outside of the camp of Israel. And um, one day, this guy, Salmon, he's, he's out working and he sees Rahab off in the distance and he's like, woohoo, she's hot. And he goes running over there and he says, how about lunch? And she says, okay. And he goes, how about dinner? Okay. And, and I just made all that part up, okay? But then here's where it gets real. They have a wedding. They get married. Then they have a son named Boaz who marries Ruth. And then they have a grandson, Obed, and a great-grandson, Jesse, and a great-great-grandson, David, who if you just keep following the lineage in Matthew chapter 1, you'll find out that Jesus was a great, 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 great grandchild of this Canaanite 
woman who was a prostitute. When you read Matthew chapter 1 and you see where all this goes, you understand it's a picture of grace. It's a picture of grace. It's everything that we need, everything that we hope for. And we can't earn it. Only God gives us. Paul understood this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I leave the past behind with hands outstretched to whatever lies ahead. I go straight for the goal. My reward, the honor of being called by God in Christ. So today... I want you to take a really strong look at the story, the story of Rahab. What have you called yourself? What have you thought your future is? Would you be willing? And we're, next week I'm going to talk about the power of God. We're going to talk about freedom. We're going to talk, this isn't just mind over matter here, okay? God has some great plans to give us all freedom, but it begins with knowing what to do with failure. It begins to know what to do, that we know what to do with shame in our lives. Because Satan will use that over and over. He'll call you by your old name. He'll call you by your old life. He keeps throwing the stuff in front of you. Because he doesn't want you to be free. He likes the fact that you run around in the wilderness with your life. One of the things that we do here at Destiny, which I think is an incredible key to freedom, an incredible great place to start, and that, that's, we already talked about it earlier today, life groups, having friends, not doing this alone, being willing to get together with people and, and just build relationships because inside of that, things begin to happen in our lives. And I know you could look at some of our life groups and you say, well, I don't understand how that could be this or that. Listen, it's all about relationships. It's all about friendship. And when you do that and you have the power of God in the middle of that and, and the message of what God wants to do in the middle of that, God changes us. And so I've got some help again today. I want uh, my team to come out here. They're going to share some things about life groups and just how they work here, what we, what we plan to do with these, and how God wants to use them. And I want you to pay attention because one of the things that Satan tries to do in your life is put you on the sidelines, keep you singled out, away from everybody else, because he doesn't want you to have relationships within the body of Christ. He doesn't want you to have friends who could pray for you and help you and challenge you and where you could help them and challenge them. He just likes us to be running around in the wilderness, and life groups are one of the ways we have of destroying the wilderness. And so, guys, tell us what's going on with life groups. Yeah, we started off last week uh, talking about groups, and so we've got a couple of graphics that will come on screen here just explaining how these are kind of like bases of a baseball field. And so I'm going to represent first base groups. And so I just want to tell you guys that everybody doesn't have to know your stuff. Everybody doesn't have to know your secrets, but if you're the only one who knows them, then you're in trouble. 
we really believe here that you grow in the context of relationships. And so if you want to figure out some of your past, first base groups are an amazing place to start because they're a lot of fun. You're going to show up, and first base groups look a lot like hiking, volleyball, crafting, anything fun and topical and uh, that's of an interest or a hobby uh, that could be an incredible first base group, and we're not trying to put pressure on these groups to be something they're not. You're not going to show up and sit in a circle and sing Kumbaya or probably even open a Bible and do, you know, break out the Hebrew and the Greek. That's not the function and the purpose of a first base group. These are open doors to relationships. That's the number one goal of every life group that we're going to talk about. But first base groups are a place where you can show up have a lot of fun, make some friends, and enjoy your time. And eventually, as you're spiking the volleyball or sewing or hiking or whatever, you do this for enough weeks with the same group of people, you're going to find one, two, three people you really connect with. And you'll begin saying, hey, you know what? My marriage is kind of struggling, or I've got this issue, or I've got this thing, and it just happens so naturally and organically. But if you don't have relationships in your life, you're going to go nowhere fast. We, we like to say that we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to people to find healing. And that's a principle out of James 5. People bring healing to our lives because we can share our stuff with each other. We can pray. And so first base groups are, I want to just encourage you, if you've never been in a group before, don't worry about, I don't know the Bible. I might not even have a Bible. I, you know, it doesn't matter. We want to eliminate all the excuses. Show up, have some fun, make some friends, and see what God can do just through having some fun, and being in a relationship with other people. So that's what first base groups are all about. I want to encourage you, if you've never started, to start there. Second base groups are so similar because they still have the free market approach. Like if you're coming together, we want you to connect, to find family, to find relationships. Um, But second base groups are really cool because unlike the, you know, the topic, this topic is specific for the area that you want to find freedom in. Um, and so it gets to the nitty gritties and, um, that might sound scary, but it's so beautiful. Um, if you, I just give a plug, like this semester, we have our first ever anxiety life group. It's, it's called anxiety fighters. And so, um, these people are coming together to find freedom from their past and anxiety, or maybe, um, you've struggled with finances. We're doing financial peace university so people can get out of the debt and find freedom and peace in, in their finances or whether it's marriage or family or whatever, these groups um, are designed with that in mind. And, um, and it, it's, it really is like a beautiful picture because everybody is in the same boat. Everybody is finding that freedom. You're not alone. Um, and if I could just give a little plug, um, it's the most, it, I just think it's the coolest thing when someone has dealt with something in their past, have been redeemed, have found that grace, and, and then they get to use that to help other people find that same freedom. Yeah. And we didn't, we don't, we weren't designed, God didn't bring us out of freedom to just sit there and, and be self-focused. He wants us to use that. We have it on our wall to find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference with that freedom that you found. And so um, today's the last day to register your group. And if I just struck a chord in your heart, put it on your C card. Don't, don't back down. Do it because um, God's going to use you. Yeah. Hey, before, before we go to third base, I just want to say that I am so sold on this Rahab principle that we named our daughter-in-law Grace. And so let that mess with your mind just a moment. 
All right, Carly, so glad you're on the team today. Yeah, so I'm here to talk about third base. The difference now that we've moved to third base from the first two bases is that we've kind of talked about an inward focus about how you guys can get in a life group to work on some stuff going on within you. And now at third base, we want you to use that stuff that you've learned to make a difference outwardly. So we're all about community. Um, we have a group, Saturday Serve, you've probably been hearing about it, where we just go out on a Saturday morning and we hang out with some kids and the whole whole point and the whole purpose is to just love on people. And so through that, you'll find that you actually end up like facing change yourself because when you are helping other people, you find healing yourself. But the point is that Jesus told us to go out into the world and more than that, we're supposed to love our neighbor. And so third base are groups designed to get you out into our community to be making a difference. Um, and I just know personally that this is the favorite group, my most favorite group that we've led um, just because showing up on Saturday and having those kids waiting for us has just completely changed my perspective. Yeah about why I'm here on this planet and what I'm supposed to be doing. Church is great. What we're doing right now is awesome. We're growing in context of church right now, and we're hearing God's word. And then we need to take that, we need to reflect on it and focus it, and then we need to push it back out into the world. And that's what our third base groups are all about. All right. I'm so proud of the McClure's, too. I'm telling you, uh, and I saw something, I saw a video of, like, you even have your little kids, like, carrying stuff and pushing stuff and they're in the game you guys had what 80 some kids and parents yesterday show up that's not a small group anymore they just started a church over in the other side of town but <laughs> hey so let me bring this home um and, and that is that we want you to make a difference and for some of you uh we want you to make a difference in in yourself if you missed last week's message you need to go back and listen to it because it's a start of finding freedom and one of the steps that are there is you need to take steps to make a change so i'm going to encourage everybody here to take a step either lead a life group this is one of your action steps today either lead a life group or get in a life group you say oh, i don't really like that well i i know and i'm trying to help you here I want you to make a change. I want you to take it. Joining a life group isn't going to revolutionize your whole world in the next semester. But it is one of the huge steps to opening up your heart and say no to Satan who's trying to destroy you and mess up your life. And so make a step. Take a step. Do what will really help to set you free. I want to... Talk about one last thing here, and I'd like you to take your notes. This is the second action step. And here's what I want you to do. And you can do it now, or you might want to take this home and think about it. But I want you to write the negative label that follows your name. The thing that has come to define you, maybe in your own eyes. I am this because of this and this and this. Typically, those labels keep us in the wilderness. They keep us down. They, 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 they keep us enslaved. What's the, what's the thing you hate the most about you? What's the thing that has messed you up the most? Write that down. My name is John or Mike or Mary or the what. 
the loser. And then, based on what you've heard today, based on what we talked about last week, this next thing is, okay, could be true. I mean, it was true that Rahab was a prostitute. But look at the redemptive power of God in her life. Look what he did. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was a descendant of this really messed up person. I've come to the point in my life where my messes, I don't, I don't understand how God does this. I, I truly don't. I just don't get it. How he could take the biggest messes, and, and the, the messes don't go away. I mean, it happened, right? But how he puts it all together to bring a life that has been redeemed and fulfilled and can make a difference. I'll tell you why I'm the pastor of this church. It's because, first of all, I'm cheap. You don't pay me. And second, um, because I am very qualified to talk about this today. And I know that it's something that keeps people beaten down. So what is one step that you're going to take to not be known by the shame and hurt from your past? We're going to sing a song. It's called No Longer Slaves. Um, this is going to be our, our, our commitment song today. It's, um, this isn't the song we sing so we can leave. So it's, it's part of our worship today. I want you to, as we sing it, I want you to look at the words. I want you to think about you. And I want you to take that song and make it yours. So would you guys stand and um, let this song be your prayer. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. mother's womb you have chosen me love has called my name I've been born again into a family your blood flows through my veins sing it out I'm no longer a slave to fear 
to take home with you today. But uh, I'm not done yet. There's more. <laughs> One more. Hey, um, I was telling our, our tech team and worship team this morning that I, I've got this wall on my cubicle in my office where I, I put the names of people that gave their heart to Christ here and have uh, 
since passed away and going on to heaven. And uh, yesterday, added another name to the wall. Um, it was such a, um, I, I don't know if you can have a good funeral or not, but I think we had one yesterday. Uh, a guy that, uh, just a wonderful guy, and he would come in and out of here. He was here every few weeks and, and um, young. He was 40, 48 years old, died of a heart attack. And um, you may have seen him or may not. Just, just a wonderful person. And um, he, was, he was one of our prime targets. He's the kind of person that, man, you just, you just want this guy to find Jesus, and he did. And um, so I had this opportunity to share at this funeral, and it, it just it was so amazing to realize, even as I was talking, just the impact of what, what we just witnessed, what happened. And I'm more committed than ever to make sure that we tell as many people as we can about Jesus Christ and about what he can do in their life. And, and um, so yesterday was this huge reminder. And I just want to, I just wanted every Sunday, if I, if I can, open up the door to somebody else that needs to say yes to Jesus, who needs to know God. That's where it all begins. And um, this guy's name was Todd. He said yes to God. Uh, Todd wasn't a believer long enough, really, to, to find all the freedom and, and do all the things that we would want people to do and go, but he made it. If you're, um, if you're here today and you don't know God, you need to say yes to him. You need to say yes to Jesus. And so I'm going to pray just for you. And it's not anything magical. It's a decision. It's a decision you make. Hey, I want my life to really matter. I want to, I want to know what life is really about. I want, to, I want to be free, and I want to find my purpose on earth, and I want to make a difference. It all starts with knowing, knowing God. So as I pray, let this be your prayer. Let it be the beginning of what God wants to do. Dear Jesus, on behalf of those who need and want to say yes to you today, Lord, we just open up our hearts. We open up our minds. We open up this thing that's been locked down inside of us. I just pray that you would bless these people with freedom, that they can become a new person and live a new life have a new name. Lord, they are saying yes to you right now. Yes, Lord, I need you. Please come into my heart, come into my life. Lord, I thank you for receiving them right now. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, our ushers are going to come. We're going to receive our offering, but you, everybody here hopefully got a, a DC Connect card. If you just prayed that prayer with me, you invited Jesus into your heart, I want you to take another step. On that card, on the front of the card, is a place there where it says, I'm giving my life to Christ for the first time or I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. I want you to check that box. Just, just do it right now. I want you to drop your card in the offering 
um, because we want to help you get started in your walk with the Lord. And um, it's essential that you take the next step. And um, it's, it's going to be an amazing life for you. I want to thank you, everybody, for your faithfulness and giving. Um, we, uh, I tell you, you, you bless us. You, you do. And I, I thank you for your faithfulness. And um, we're going to sing one last song as we receive the offering. And, man, I hope, I hope you take the plunge to freedom. God bless you guys.